Hey. Hey, here we are. Hola. Hola. Hola's. We should start a whole episode in a different language, so they're like, fuck, I got down with the wrong version of it. It would be great if we had different, ver- like if there was a, a just somebody, different voice actors yeah. mm-hmm. doing the Spanish version or the German <laughs> version or the French version. Hola. Hola. But welcome to episode 184 of the Movie Schmovie podcast. I'm John. I am Ron. And I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Got distracted for a second. You know, like... Are you telling me that your phone distracted you? Yeah. These No. No. <laughs> what? Fake, fake profiles adding you. And and because I, like, do such... I do a public thing. Yeah, you're, you're very public. And, it, 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 and it, also famous. It, no. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, no. That voice. Oh. Those oh, jokes. No. <laughs> Those just... Those technology just skills. killing it. That voice could even... <laughs> Even sell those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you have a face for radios. I, it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> when people say that to me. Man, that's like a weird. Maybe yeah. they just mean like the, ma- the noise coming out of your face. Like you're ugly as shit. I mean, he's like Ronald. You're ugly as shit. Yeah, for... be... I could take. Oh, dude, that. I was trying to be nice to you. Yeah. Okay, you're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you look like an alien. You have a face for a radio. So crazy. Anyway, uh, hello, hello, <clears throat> gents. I have a little more energy because I drank this coffee. I'm like high energy. Normally, this it's is It's got I'm... that like weird mix of like ice melted into the remnants of your coffee in the yeah. bottom still. So you're just like drinking water you're right now. You're drinking water. Pumped full of caffeine. <laughs> Lavender vanilla. <laughs> That's gross sounding, man. It does sound horrible. It sounds like potpourri. You lost me at lavender. Yeah. It's like potpourri mixed I'm out. with. <laughs> Somebody poured a potpourri packet into your yeah, coffee. Yeah. You don't mix like a scent with a flavor. Like mm. when I think lavender, I, don't I think know of, that's true I don't know at all. That, I don't know that. But I know what no, you mean. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, a, a, like, a, like yeah. a, you know, yeah. th- th- like if I'm like potpourri chocolate, like yeah. you like, th- th- I wouldn't. Have you ever lavender, had that? I think smells. <laughs> I don't think flavor. Do you think lavender flavored something? When you think of no, lavender? I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, lavender. I think I'm just not articulating it. it. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're. I got, I got you now. It's, it's you something really weird about. Talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can add vanilla to like uh, <clears throat> soft soap, and that's fine. Yeah. Don't go the other way. Don't bring a soft soap kind of quality towards soft towards soap towards chocolate. Yeah, like right. it's like <laughs> you would be like that sounds <laughs> that was, disgusting. No one would call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Lavender chocolate. Although I wouldn't mind like Lav- a little. I'm out. Just, like you, next to the sink, just a little squirt thing of chocolate that you could <laughs> just. <laughs> And then I mean, wash your hands. Gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. Yeah. Mm. So today's episode is about uh, remakes. remakes. So, I, all right, this, <clears throat> again, again. Time travel. Time travel. <laughs> Jump cut. <laughs> Two years ago. <laughs> yes, we, we did have a, started. we did, when I came onto the show, it was like a heated debate. Visceral reaction. Between Ronald and Steve. It, it, similar to your feelings about Netflix, I think as we get older, I still, some, look, some, we, we, that's the one you're going to hold on to. Cool I still on some feel a way about Netflix, and I still feel a way about what we're touching on. Yeah. But it's it's like anything else. I like good versions of things. If you well, so me, do we. But yeah, I'm I prefer the worst do. version but of you everything. You know what I mean? Like some people are more willing. When to, you're around me, if you can be the worst version of yourself, <laughs> right, I'd appreciate it. I'm just. I'm just less willing to jump into the remake. Like you're yeah. a little more open about when when you hear remake, I go, Pyach. and you're like, well, let's see how it works. And I'm probably right. right between because I think right. I I have a little bit more attachment to the idea of just the original mm-hmm. being something. Like I hate when the people say, "Oh, it was so much better than the original," and a part of me goes like, "Yeah, but the original had to be the original, right?" In order to 
or you know, it's like it's like a band where people hate their first album or something like that. Right. And I'm always like, yeah, but they wouldn't have been the band without the first album. I, I totally get why you know you, you need to be critical in that in yeah. that kind of thinking. But to me, the notion that remaking something is like gonna make it better just by virtue of making it for a more modern audience. Mm. I think that I think I don't like that aspect of remakes. Like I don't like the idea of people not seeing a movie because it's in black and white right. or not seeing sure. a movie because the effects haven't aged <clears throat> all that well and then like saying they need a new version in order to appreciate it you yeah. know because it's like we grew up with a lot of old movies that we knew were old and we knew had flaws in them and we still saw them we still mm. like there's a certain amount of cultural literacy I Definitely. think yeah. however I also think that a lot of movies that people think of as classics are re-envisionings of stories that had already been told yeah. and there's certain things that are sort of evergreens like you know, Dracula or Sherlock Holmes or whatever, yeah. where every generation kind of finds their own. So I think that's why I can't take a categorical stance against them. I, I do find that there are certain movies that I don't mm. want to see remade. Like, and I'm sure one day certain things might come up that I just don't want to see remade. Mm. I was wondering, I was going to ask you guys that question. Do you have any movies that you're like, you look at and you're sort of like, <clears throat> God, I hope they don't remake this one. Honestly, like, I feel that there definitely are. Like, yeah. you know, if I talk about any of my favorite movies of all mm. time, like, I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily personally care to see them remade. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I, I it it's just a matter of opinion in the end, you know. Like, yeah, it's like that will still be my favorite movie, even yeah. if they e- remade ET, yeah. and maybe it would be good. See, but ET but, was the one I was thinking of as like, yeah, the, you could definitely. For, <clears throat> again, here's here's that whole thing about effects. Yeah, I could see someone saying, "Oh, you could do that with better effects now. You could do that with modern effects." And a part of me is like, "Yeah, but but why? But yeah. why? But, wh- Not, but why absolutely. do you need that? That'd be like me watching Wizard of I Oz when I was with a you. kid yeah. going." I could totally see that's makeup, you know. Yeah, it's like there's magic involved, and I. But I, I mean, I'm with you in a sense of like maybe they would make a good version. But of all the movies that like, I'm glad that Steven Spielberg has sort of said over my dead body about that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm glad that he has never gone back and made a sequel to that. Yeah, I'm even glad on a different level that he has said while he's making Indiana Jones movies, they're not going to recast yeah, Harrison Ford. Sure. I just think there's certain things that, and Star Wars is doing well with it. Um, and I guess Star Trek too as well. No, they kind of rebooted. But like Star Star Wars is a good example of they they've gone back to that well, but they've gone back and told new stories, or yeah. at least you know officially new stories. If they ever went back and said we're going to reboot Star Wars, I feel like that's when my stomach would start to turn a little bit because I don't know that I want to see some of these iconic roles recast every generation. I understand. You know? Yeah, I mean it's a valid point. I mean that's that's the great point of the conversation. It's yeah. just like you know being. You know, in some ways, protective of something that you genuinely love, and you're like, I don't. Why do you need to remake this? Like, yeah. you can't say that. You know, uh, if you took ET for an example, like you know, uh, a child of today, they've been you know basically exposed to so much technology, and they have such expectations on things. Some kids might watch ET and be like, "What? This is a joke," you know, like they and hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, not respond to it, not not see the ho- the way it holds up to us. Because we experienced it at that age, at a time that we weren't exposed to things like they are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a there's a point to be made for like bringing things into today's world for today's kids or young adults or even you know adults, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, the reason that I am usually pretty open to a remake is because one, bringing it to a new audience is always a cool thing for a story that I love. Yeah. Even if I end up not loving the movie, it could always turn somebody on to the original that's never seen it before. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'll still have my opinion on whether I think the original is better or not. Yeah. You know, or or maybe I like the remake better. I don't know. I'm I'm open to that. Yeah. 
just because like if I love the story, I'm not saying that I, I love the story so much that I'm like make it again. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like at, like let me see what you can add to this. You know, let me see what maybe a different casting choice does to yeah. it, or you know, a different taking the narrative in a different way. You know, because you know some remakes have done that, and it's been interesting to do it that way. You know, where it wasn't like a shot for shot or like step by step remake of a movie. You know, and those are the ones that I find most interesting, and a lot of the ones that like I picked to talk about for this episode are ones that like some are recent, some are not so recent. Mm. But like, it's just the idea of like I find the stories interesting and mm-hmm. feel like in today's world. With the other thing exciting is I love the idea of having filmmakers or casts or actors or actors that I love mm. and like I would say they would be great in this movie or like right. or I would love to see you know director you know Smith do this kind of movie and why not do this movie yeah this movie never found an audience maybe and maybe he could really usher in a whole new world to like this story that actually really is good there's all this criticism of what's original and what's not like like you said, like even things that you come to find out that you love that were like the originals to us, mm-hmm. you find out really we're just remakes of something else or right. like retelling or rehashing or just kind of mm-hmm. like uh, a mashup of something. So, I mean, that's kind of just like the way I approach it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some that like, I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And it's just like, no. Mm-hmm. But that's the great thing to me is like, I can just completely disown that because it exists. They both can exist. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I still hold on to that first one. Like, you know, with a firm grip. So I'm, I guess, I'm usually down for it. I guess what I used to always fall down on the side of saying, though, is how much better for them to do like a revival and actually get a certain movie back in theaters or put it in front of people again um, because that should be the thing. But I think kind of what you're saying, Steve, that is a, just to be realistic, whether it's fair or not, there's a lot of people that, that aren't going to watch an old movie or right. aren't going to go see a revival of a classic film, no matter how many people say it's great. So in that sense, it is a way to say this material is really interesting this character is really interesting let's make this uh, let's make this enjoyable to a modern audience you know so i'm i mean i'm totally split on that i understand the economics of it but i also think just creatively i like that idea that once somebody's done something really well that you should be able to look back even if fashion has and style have changed you should be able to look back and say but this is what was great about this film and certain movies just haven't been remade and it makes you wonder like gone with the wind uh, yeah. Citizen Kane yeah. is that because those movies are unassailable classics or is that because they've never figured out whether that would really be a money making thing sure. or not yeah. you know what I no, mean it's a good point like either one of those movies could easily be a, a, a movie that people don't have that much interest in seeing yeah, you right. know today so Ronald I know given that we've as we've said you had the most kind of negative reaction just to the concept of remakes still do are there any remakes that you are looking forward to or anything like that's actually on the horizon that you actually are, are glad is being remade or I can't I don't know if it's really going to happen by 2018 the way that they said it was going to happen, but the the Scarface remake, I don't know what they're going to do, what world that's going to be in, if it's going to be a Hispanic lead or... Wait, like wasn't to, it a... Who got cast in it? Somebody recently. Did they cast on, Did they have a cast uh, What's his him? name from Rogue One? Oh, yes. That, is Diego that really... Luna? Yeah, Diego Luna. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be interesting, man. Um Scarface is one of my favorite movies. It's it is over the top, but the soundtrack is incredible. The, it's amazing how that movie found an audience through its soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Like, did yeah. you watch it to Pomodoc? No, I haven't yet. It's really cool. No, I, yeah. I but there's a big section about, about Scarface yeah. and like yeah. how they basically embrace like this when when the hip hop community picked yeah. it up. It was like 
we need to you know this movie needs an audience like yeah. if that's what it is it's, it's really a, interesting really how good. music saved that film so i'm hoping that if it if it gets done again I'm, i know that i don't know what angle they're gonna take mm-hmm. but i'm i'm interested i'm interested i don't, I don't know yeah. a lot of people think that that's like the worst movie ever just because it's it's like hyper violent hyper mm-hmm. stereotypical the voice the the accent is like almost I, you know, it's funny. I didn't think that that was a real accent until I met a man when I was working at CompUSA that sounded just like Scarface. <laughs> it was crazy. I met two people that actually sounded like that in my life. So I don't know. I don't think. I think the accent is a little put on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little exaggerated, obviously. But that's one that I'm interested in. Yeah. What about you, Steve? I'm honestly all into these Disney remakes. Oh these yeah, live yeah, action yeah, remakes. Yeah. yeah. They, they've. Uh, my confidence is definitely in their pocket because like see Beauty and the Beast to me is like I, I must feel about it the way you felt about Doctor Strange or Ant-Man where it's like it does nothing for me but yeah. I'm sure I'll see it and I'm sure they, they'll they do their usual job of doing something that gets me into right, it it's nothing right. about it like right. I like musicals I like old fashioned musicals I enjoyed that movie that wasn't one of my big uh, Disney movies I'm a little right. bit worried about the the just Beast. some. Well, the beast looking a little cheesy, and also just the the living uh, cutlery and stuff. Yeah. I feel like mm. that plays really well with animation. I don't know how it's going to do in this kind of version. Yeah. That's good though. Um, but it's as far as just it being, you know, that kind of trust in that model, mm. what they've done thus far with Jungle Book and then Pete's Dragon, and then this. This seems like even more than Jungle Book, a, a, like a deeply faithful rendition. Oh yeah. Like it almost seems like with this one. The point of it is to see how exactly they yeah. are remaking things. But no, I like Emma Watson. I like Dan Stevens. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. And I'm sure. I think Henry's interested in it. But it doesn't like. It's not firing my mm. my imagination. But I know people that are reacting really positively yeah. to it. Like that, it's hitting them in that sweet spot. That like Star Wars or something like that hits me. So Lion King, man. The, the no, that the sounded cast, great. The casting sounds really good. Sounds nuts. So I don't know. Is there a waiting period? Before you should remake a movie, I think I think so, but that you know, I think it should be ten years. But that's it depends. Like, uh, how do you feel about foreign movies being made into American movies? That's a really good example of what I don't <laughs> like. And again, I, I know Steve is like, yeah, if they got to do it, they got to do it. And it, I'm sort I, of like, I still sort of feel like, like when they're talking about remaking a movie like The Raid. Which they've been talking about remaking that since it came out. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that it's actually been four or five years yeah. is remarkable. <laughs> but um, Joe Carnahan is attached to it, and Frank Grillo, yeah. uh, an actor that I think we kind of like, friend of the show, friend of the show, Frank Grillo. <laughs> um, but like, um, you know, I like Joe Carnahan. I, he he directed one of my favorite movies of the of what I consider the schmovie era, which is The Gray. The gray. Um, <laughs> And he made a very interesting and odd movie. What was that movie that where Chris Pine played an oddball in it, and it had Patrick Wilson as like the limo driver? What was that movie? Stretch. Stretch. Um, that was very strange. And he's also that was kind of like um, the other one with Chris Pine. Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces, where it's like adrenaline rush, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's an interesting filmmaker. You ever seen Narc? Uh, yes, yeah. I love Narc. Narc is great. 
That was Ray Liotta. Mark is really, really good. Yeah, Ray Liotta and Jason Patrick. That was good, man. Yeah, and he was going to do, for a while, he was set up to do a Daredevil film that never really right. happened. Oh, and he wow. was going to do it like in a 70s kind of oh. action style. But at any rate, like, so that's a, that's a movie that I don't think needs to be remade. I think that American audiences would enjoy The Raid. Yeah. I think The Raid is so well done and so action-packed and just so reach out and grab you that you don't need to dumb it down for dum-dums that don't want to read subtitles, yeah. you know, or don't want to don't want to tell Asian actors apart or whatever it is yeah. that is bothering them. But I can see why in the money-making machine why they say, well, let's get something going or let's get something off of this. I just don't know what they're going to do. Everything I've read makes it sound like they're not going to do a straight remake, so I don't really know what that movie's going to be. But right. that, to me, is a great example of a movie that does not need to be remade for American audiences because it already reaches out yeah. to American audiences. I felt like that about Record and Quarantine. I thought that Record, the original movie, mm-hmm. is very good. Quarantine was so shitty, and it came out like a year after they made... The original, so. Yeah, but with horror, that happens. A lot yeah, of genre stuff that happens. happens. A lot. So yeah, I guess my general feeling is just if it's really that good, I'd like to see American audiences kind of have to deal with it as right. as what it is. Again, economics of the situation, I can understand. People don't want subtitles. People yeah. don't like a bunch of actors they don't know. If you've got the property, or if you think it's a great thing, and you think it's going to do so much better. With names that are recognizable, I mean, I guess I see it. It just, it, I guess it that hurts my feelings a little this bit. Is, that a movie that should be one of the most like easy, easy to get into movies, right, right. like the I'll keep saying like the right because it's a great example. Yeah, it's a great movie. It just, it's, it's so immaculately made that yeah. it's strange to me to think that you would need to change anything about that to to get audiences involved. But, I just imagine a hillbilly with. No teeth. They have one skinny brown tooth going, speak English. Speak English, idiot. Speak English. I don't know if they speak English. Hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. We speak English. Speak English. I didn't come here to read. <laughs> Chinese speak English. <laughs> I just don't. It fucks with me a little bit, so. Anyway. No, I, I, you're right. But, I mean, are we? that's who we're catering to when we re- remake a movie? Yeah, like absolutely. I mean, that's definitely a factor. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a factor. Really I can is. acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a huge, like, business yeah, 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 decision definitely. in it, too, you know? Um, but, like, starring vehicles and, like, you know, a lot of that is, like, uh, like, a good example was recently, uh, did, you, did you see Sleepless, Jamie Foxx? Came I and went, got horrible reviews. I wanted to. I heard it was terrible. It's terrible. And I didn't. It is terrible. Is that a remake of something? It is a remake of a French movie called Sleepless Nights, which is no. really fucking good. But Let I mean, it's an up. example. Like, and, and, and even if it comes out and it's horrible, right. they get burned. They learn. They're like, you can't just do it, like yeah. you're saying. And people think like, oh, Jamie Foxx is in it. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's an action movie. Like, there's just there's a lot missing from that movie that the the foreign film, the original film, has. Yeah. So, I mean, let them... If they get burned, they get burned. If they don't, like, they make a movie that makes them money, and they make a movie that I feel like the way I view it is that people that would have never watched Sleepless Nights, in this example, if, if Sleepless was good, they'd be like, oh, I like this movie. And maybe yeah, then yeah, they would they'll go watch Sleepless Nights. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. When did Sleepless Nights come out? Uh, like only like a couple years ago. Okay, like, I'm definitely gonna grab it. It's then. good. It's really yeah. good. It's just like Infernal Affairs. Yeah, which and was the a Departed. good movie. Infernal Affairs is great, but the Departed's fucking great. Yeah, like you know, like no one would <laughs> know that, that story. Like you know, yeah. and people that I've I've talked to many people who have watched the Departed that never heard of Infernal Affairs, but then then went and watched it. And it's like three you know? of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a I've franchise. Seen two of them. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. So it, yeah. it goes both ways. Like I feel like well, that's an example the too. Thing. The Departed. Uh, uh, Scorsese's not the sort of director that you picture sitting around going I don't have any ideas right, let me right, remake something Right. so there's clearly reasons to remake something that don't have to do with being 
intellectually bereft or creatively bereft. Totally. Um, did you did, did you say something about the thing, or did you just use the phrase the thing? Well, I, oh. I feel like that's what you were talking is, about is, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Is, that's one was, that like you grow up. I mean, if I, when I was a kid getting into horror, the John Carpenter's The Thing so was good. the shit. It still is one of my favorite so movies, good. period. And to know that when, you know, to people that were my dad's age when it came out, it was like, oh, it's just a remake of The Thing from Another World with gore. You know, like, that's what everyone's always going to think, that they've kind of dumbed it down. Right. I do think sometimes when it's long enough after the original movie and it's so different, like, you look at Thing from Another World and then you look at John Carpenter's The Thing, there's so, there is a, there's enough of a gap there. Right. That you can say this movie, this visceral, gory, bloody, all the practical effects. Yeah. Uh, you... I think it's hard to say that that movie didn't have its own reason to exist. But you could be a stickler and say it's nothing they didn't do in the original. It's just done with you know more flair for modern audiences. You could easily yeah. peg it, and you'd be wrong in that case. So I wonder, maybe that's why I'm reluctant to try to take too hard of a line against them because I know that a lot of times nostalgia is making you really Definitely. want things the way they used to be. Sure. Even if on some level you can say it is inherently better to do something original, right? Yeah. I mean, we all sure. sort of we all sort of admire when a movie comes out Definitely. and it doesn't lean on something else. Yeah. What about something just being a remake and namesake? You know uh, what I mean? Like how do you feel about that? Where when they, when just, they just take a name. They, it's like basically it's just it the property, just the name yeah, brand. Just yeah. the name brand and like a, a very loose hmm. premise. Like like Give me an example. Uh Maybe Twenty One Jump Street. Maybe uh, the well, other. That's in the what's, meta. That's in the. What's meta the other category. one? The other one. The uh, Baywatch. Baywatch. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Chips. Chips. All these. All these movies that just have the name and there are two people in it mm-hmm. with the names. So they. So it's like a. I mean, but Twenty One Jump but Street. But in those cases, it's like Twenty One Jump Street sort does of, sort of do like a retro trip. comedy thing about yeah. the original. But the, thing. but the, it's so different that yeah. it shouldn't even have the name. <laughs> In the way that, but like, I mean, it wouldn't exist without the name. You know what I mean? That's the weird thing about that. They wouldn't have made yeah. like Twenty One Jump Street. Twenty One Jump Street is would, a bad example. I, I mean, but, but, it, saying, but it's you, close enough in the in the idea that like when when you think a thing like oh okay, the, so these people are going to be. I think about the show. I guess you know. It's, it, I know what you're saying in this. Well, at least the way I'm taking that is like you you could have had a movie with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill playing playing undercover cops yeah and it wasn't a 21 jump street remake but the name gives it this cachet that gives it even though the name 21 jump street really it's not like people were sitting around talking about that movie but it's a recognizable name and that's what they needed to make the movie right i think we do know that that like a lot of times things get remade or properties get adapted because a recognizable name even if it's something people don't like yeah is going to make more money than than something people haven't heard of yeah Yeah. which actually gets into sort of my my thought about this this list which mm-hmm. is going to be if you haven't if we didn't make it clear already we're going to basically kind of go into a, a fantasy land of our own yeah. and talk about remakes we would like to see or movies that should be remade i realize that there are different ways of approaching a remake definitely uh, and one way i thought of as i was trying to decide is, is it a remake or kind of an unmake and mm-hmm. in some cases there are movies that i admired the elements and i want them to have been a different movie than they were because I know I know something because I've read the book or whatever it is, and sure. I didn't know. Are you? Did you run into that with your list? That like some of these movies you really are saying I kind of wish the original <laughs> didn't exist. I, I think I actually tried to do it from three different perspectives. One like something I wanted to fix. Mm-hmm. One which was like a straight remake to bring a story, a world, something mm-hmm. into this generation, mm-hmm. and then the other one was. Um, 
one that I guess, let me say, one, one that is like basically like an unknown movie, mm-hmm. you know, that I feel like never got an audience. Mm, so like something that, that needs a second chance kind yeah. of thing. Interesting that you would have it broken down into those categories because my three are one that, like one that I would fix. Uh, one that I would like to see remade for modern audiences, and one that I consider sort of a deconstruction of mm-hmm. like a lot of movies. You picture remaking them, and then you picture what if you took that concept, but you you tried to make it more realistic, or you tried to set it in the real world, or you tried to do you know go off in right. some other direction with it, which is kind of what Twenty One Jump Street is. It's a deconstruction in a way, like it's a yep. meta deconstruction, a comedy version of that, but it is something that really comments on the absurdity of its own premise, you know. So um, that's cool. Did you kind of do the same thing, Ronald? Do you have different sort of categories? Yeah, yeah. With yours? I have, I have the the one that doesn't have. A, I actually have two of those. Mm-hmm. But but one of them, one of them is because it's it's a foreign film, and so it came out so long ago mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think that we may be the only people that it's like basically like thirty. 31 and older <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there might be people that are younger, but I feel like that age range was really into it. Into it. Okay. Can I go first? Sure. All right. So, the first film that I'm going to choose is actually one that I think that I'm a fan of and you're a fan of. I'm, I think you're a fan of slightly too. Mm-hmm. The first Terminator. Mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, the first Terminator was solid. Very good. It was very good. It felt a little different than the second one because the second one is so good as an action film. And I think that I wouldn't know. Right. I think the first <laughs> one, the first one should get the same sort of love. And I think that it should be. What is this Terminator Two? I got to write this down. Terminator Two. Who's, who directed that? <laughs> James Cameron, Cameron, one of the worst people. Oh, Do you think there's still like a want in the world for more Terminator movies, Ronald? Well, that's that's why I think that this should be done. I think that it should get like I'm, I'm just fucking yeah. kind of the the high art approach to the uh, to the first Terminator. So you're saying stop trying to sequelize it? Yeah, just start all over, make it beautiful, mm-hmm. make it kind of like high art. And I'm thinking that Alex Garland should do it, same guy that did Ex Machina, uh-huh. and kind of give it a beauty to it. Because I think that I like there it. was something about the future in that world that felt very like seeing the war. I think portrayed in a in a in a way that Alex Garland makes things look would be incredible. Mm-hmm. You know when Skynet it becomes self-aware and just thinking about the idea it could it could kind of hint at maybe the sec connecting the the first to the second one Definitely. a little better and the approach of not sequel you know treating it like a a prequel to the to the two the, yeah. the second one yeah. and giving it love that connects it more to the second one. And also being beautiful at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I think there's something about Genesis that didn't really pay attention to what made the first one so good, which is kind of the terror aspect of it. The idea that, like, he was coming to kill her, right? Yeah. And it just felt very like, oh, God. Like, she's, it felt like a horror film. Definitely. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that got missed in whatever Genesis became. Whatever Genesis was, whatever that piece of shit salvation. was. Salvation. Salvation. Whatever Genesis. Salvation was, whatever Genesis was. Um, it's almost like... And Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Yeah, it's almost like... The problem is when somebody grabs something like Terminator, the things that make the first and the second very special 
are just lost and they got kind of commercialized and shitty and and I think that it should get back to what whatever made it special, which was mm-hmm. kind of the the dread of when the Terminator came into the room. Yeah, there was something about that feeling. Like, oh. So who should play? It's got to be somebody. At the Terminator, I think the Terminator it can't be a meathead actor because they've done that with right. the sequels. They've well, had like the Jai Courtney's and the Sam Worthingtons and those kind of actors. He, so it almost needs to be like a, a almost non a non Arnold. It almost needs to be yeah, like th- a great actor, like a Christian Bale. Well, somebody like that. You well, know, he was in a Terminator movie. You know, I think it wasn't but, good. Uh, <laughs> but I'm saying someone like that. Don't you remember people, the like yeah, the you know, big right. like yeah, the yeah. whole the big blow up, blowout yeah. that uh, he had? Good for you. Yeah. What's his face from <laughs> a um, fucking acting over here? <laughs> well, that was that was horrible. That was a good one. I like <laughs> it. Was it was horrible. Um, uh, no Country for Old Men. Ah, uh, uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. Didn't he kind of do that Javier. in No Country for Old Men? Yeah, but. So you're saying with cooler hair? With cooler hair, <laughs> just bursting in the scenes with shotguns. And... Same thing, but I think that be. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that he could pull just it off. Just coming in, maybe like with a Prince Valiant or even Josh Brolin. I know that's front. crazy that I'm naming two people within the same movie, but I love Josh Brolin too. No, Josh Brolin like has a, that a same very kinda... militant presence. Yeah, kind of stiff and. But I was thinking more Josh Brolin. Yeah, but I love Javier. Barden, I I love both of them. So like I don't know, I was thinking, no, no, no. Of, yeah, and I could see that. But I see what you're saying that like the way to make that concept fresh for people is just to is just yeah. to give them a new new beginning, shiny, the, simple. The simplicity of that first movie yeah. is is, I mean, like um, I was reminded of it when I was watching. Um, speaking of Dan Stevens in The Guest, the guest. Yeah. I thought The Guest had that kind of feel of like, yeah. this is just a badass dropped into a situation and he's not going to stop at anything. We don't really know what his game is, yeah. but you don't want to run across this guy. It's basically just a movie about people running you know, running into this character and then getting killed. You know? yeah. And I do think that they could make that concept more immediate Definitely. with, a, with a, a stripped down sequel or reboot at this yeah. point as opposed to continuing to try to yes. rescue the mythology of those right, other right. movies there was something about in the second one the contrast of metal the way that metal looked in blood combined mm-hmm. yeah there's something about the way that they layered the way that that looked the way that james cameron captured that stuff that i think could be kind of harnessed and and made in a really cool stripped down way in a prequel in the first one that would connect it to the second one because I think the second one is so fucking good. And the first one's very good, but the tone changed in the second but one. But wouldn't they need to just go with the new... With, I mean, they wouldn't be connecting to the second one. They'd be remaking the second one then. They'd be... They'd be... I don't want them to make the second one. <laughs> I just think that there should but be a first one. if they had a new one, actor... I, I'm just saying, it seems to me like a, at a fresh some point start they'd is make a, a second start. One. Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe something that embodies the, the, the fear that came when the mm-hmm. Terminator came... Combined with the action of the second, creating a, a first one. Yeah, that could that could reset it. <laughs> there's rumors that there's not another Terminator being made <laughs> that James Cameron has some hand in. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I don't even think I I want him touching it. I think that it since we have it's kind of like the Star Wars thing. We have the ideas, mm-hmm. we have the ideas on the table. Have somebody else do it. Have somebody else touch it. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot because yeah. I love Terminator, the first and the second one, and then third, fourth, and fifth. Is that what it is? It's five. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. All shitty. <laughs> there was th- there were things about Salvation I really liked, though. I didn't see that one. 
That's the Christian Bale one. Yeah, felt a little more open. Oh yeah. wait, maybe I did see that. Yeah, one. Yeah, I felt a little more open. Third one was, Rise it was a Grand Theft Auto or Terminators, and the fourth one was Salvation, and then it was Genesis, right? Yeah. Okay, I did not see Genesis. Don't. Yeah. Don't do it. I'm not yourself. a big Amelia Clark fan. I I I was until I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Then I realized she was like a stiff. stiff. I think Amelia Clark is cute, but I think that's why she's famous. That's why she gets roles. Yeah, she's, she's cute. She's she's easy on eyes. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. A little Spitfire there. <laughs> hey man, John with the hot take. I don't want to see the. <laughs> I don't want to see no ugly girl. I don't, don't want to see no ugly girls up there. <laughs> on the screen. I don't want to see no Chinese writing, and I don't want to see no ugly girls up there. I didn't pay money. I love how all these people that are going to the movies is that guy. <laughs> Just one, yeah. one brown tooth. He loves the movies. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah. a big moviegoer. Yeah. Right, Steve, you want to? can only put out so many grown-ups and Paul Blart movies. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I feel like I talked about Terminator for entirely. Oh too no, long. no, I think I'm sorry. Oh, you did, but it's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> The, the first one I'll mention is the one that I think is just one that I think would be cool to see. It was a movie that did pretty well in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, as a part of that whole like resurfacing of like the teen high school comedy mm. drama. But this was not a comedy. Um, this was uh, The Craft. Oh, um, that's a good one. So I, I don't. I, it's not like a movie that I love. You know, yeah. I, I really like The Craft and I think it's a lot of fun. I think the casting is really fun and just like... The it people of that moment being in the movie was really cool. Like mm-hmm. having like five or six like it actors and actresses being in that movie mm-hmm. was interesting to see. Um, so it's just the kind of thing I feel like, you know, with witches being relevant again in yeah. a lot of mainstream pop culture, it'd be cool to see like this high school drama, um, you know, be brought back in. And I, and I like the, the idea, like the narrative of the craft. And I think yeah. that... Um, I'm not super up on all of the uh, hot young teens that Who are in movies. Who would be movies. in it? I was, was it? Like, I, I kind of went through and cast some of my movies. Okay. So here's my uh, my director that I chose for the craft, uh, the 2021 version, <laughs> is uh, Kelly Freeman Craig, who directed Edge of Seventeen. Oh. I don't know that she's had much work in the genre world, but all there's right. not really much like horror in right. the craft. I mean, that maybe is something she could explore, but I really loved like how subtle a lot of stuff in mm. the edge of 17 was with um, like relationships with people right, because right. all of the four leads in the movie, like everything that goes on that kind of encourages them to use their witchcraft mm. is based on like relationships, whether it's racism, mm. it's beauty, it's love, it's right. wealth. It's all things that like come back to your relationship with people and how they're affected by those four things. Gotcha. So each of the four leads kind of embody one mm. of those four things. Um, so I just think it'd be cool in today's, especially in today's America, yes. to see how that looks in uh, mm-hmm. high school and gotcha. or college or wherever they wanted to set it. So my cast, if you don't know the names, I just found something that you might recognize them from. Mm-hmm. Sarah, who was played by Robin, um, was it Robin Tunney in the original craft? Yeah. Um, is Zoe Deutsch, who's in this movie coming out called Before I Fall. Mm-hmm. She was in Why Him as well with okay. James Franco. Um, Nancy, who was played by Fruza Balk, is Camilla Mendez, who plays the new Veronica on Riverdale. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Holy shit. And I love Riverdale, by the way. Thank you. You got me, me into it. I know, it's good. I'm glad you didn't tell me what it was about. Yeah, I did. And then I. Intentionally. <sighs> it's super, like, it soapy and fun. It fucks with me, man. Like, it fucks with me how much i like that yeah. show it's like you shouldn't right yeah yeah when i found out what it was yeah my 
I couldn't handle it. I'm sorry. I got no. real weird about it. I was like, this plays with me. My emotions. <laughs> no, Thank you. No, no, totally fine. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie, who was played by, uh, I think, Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. <clears throat> would be Haley Lou Richardson, who was the, the um, in Split, she was the the girl who was having the party that the girls were at. Get the blonde. Out. That's a good one. <clears throat> And then uh, Rochelle would be played by Keanu Lede, who was in the Scream TV series this last season. Ah, uh, I didn't see I don't know if you ever have heard okay. of her. Apparently, she's like a singer, mainly a singer. This is like one of her only acting gotcha. jobs. Just basically people that I know that I've watched right, right. recently that I feel like could it, could hit those, um, I don't know, whatever, you, those categories, whatever. I think the, the, the idea of it is just like this is dark. It's dark. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of like things getting dark quick. Especially when you mix in ideas of like, you know, high school drama and um, how witchcraft can play into making that mm-hmm. extremely dark and heightened and just weird. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually I think that there were talks of making a remake of it. I don't know if it's actually still happening. I think it's kind of gone quiet. But um, at one point I had read that the woman who directed uh, Honeymoon the horror movie Honeymoon, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen this. I've never seen it. Um, was attached at some point. I don't know if that's actually happening, but if this was uh, if this was my movie, that's that's that sounds like a movie they would remake, though. You know what I mean? It, it does. Sounds like I mean, one it, that would be it, on the list, and like, it's 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 that one that we we talk about that category. It's just like it did well. Why wouldn't it work again right now? Right. Like, and it and it hits that demo of like, and it could be it could be PG thirteen. Yeah, you got that little bit of horror going on, a little bit of dark shit going down with witches, where like. The the non R movie makes tons of money, right, you right. know, and uh, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of interesting to see what they did with it to make it relevant again today, and how witchcraft could be wielded in a high Veronica, school. Veronica, huh? Mm-hmm. I yeah. love her, and you know, and Veronica is the Fruza Bolt character from the original craft, which is like she's kind of like the the, the wild yeah. child. She's right, kind of right. like the one that throws shit into the downward spiral that it goes through. But I don't know. Mm. I like her in, in Riverdale, so. I love her. <laughs> and it would be different because, like, in the original film, her character, I think, you, a lot of what she's doing with with her witchcraft is, like, I think she's, like, poor. Mm. And, like, she's, like, there's, yeah, right. like, money is a is a lot of the motivation. Yeah. So seeing somebody like her on Riverdale, like, yeah. as, as Veronica, it'd be a kind of interesting thing to see um, in a high school setting where you're not the rich kid and right, right. how you would use something supernatural to get what you wanted. Cool. I don't know. So the craft. That's a good one, then. I guess I'll go forward through time with mine. I I was just looking and realizing that because mine are kind of spread out over the last fifty years. Wow. Um, but my first choice is one that I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it, Ronald, mm-hmm. but I I believe you might have seen it the same way that I saw it, which is that uh, our friend of the show, Jason Conti, loaned me some some movies to watch one time. And the one that I would like to see remade, it's a Japanese horror film from 1963, Ooh. directed by Ishiro Honda. Holy shit. Matango, also known as Attack of the Mushroom People. <laughs> um, it is a, it's a cool, creepy, like kind of body horror mm-hmm. story where there's this yacht that gets blown off course in a storm and they end up near this island that seemingly like weird things happen with this island like it seems like birds avoid the island they can't find a lot of wildlife on the island Mm. but they find these giant mushrooms in the forest and they find a ship on the beach that is just covered up in this fungus and they gradually realize that perhaps the giant mushrooms out in the forest 
Maybe they used to be people that have gotten infected by this fungus. It's creepy and weird the way the effects are pulled off in this movie, but it would be cool to see someone with really good practical effects now deal with like these mushroom fungus sure. mutations that the people go through. Um, and then also to deal with the absurdity of kind of mushroom people. I think you could you could have both like humor and horror from that. Mm. And, and actually, <clears throat> I was trying to think of who I would want to direct this. And after seeing Get Out, I was like, hey, why not see if Jordan Peele wants to take a crack at it? Because then I would think the fun of it would be load the cast up with funny character actors. Mm. The kind of people that, you know, might pop up in a in a sketch or on a, on a, on a you know, like get your Jason Manzoukas, right. get your Chelsea Peretti, get your <laughs> Sam Richardson, get, get these oh, different yeah. actors that we like in these little funny, odd roles. Definitely. And the other thing I kind of wanted to mention about this movie that's kind of odd is there was a short story. I did not know that it was based on a short story that I liked. But really? recently when I was rereading the short story, it's called Voice in the Night. Oh, wow. Uh, actually, The Voice in the Night by William Hope Hodgson, and it's it's a very it was written in 1907, mm-hmm. and it's a very stripped down version of very much the same story that was then made into Matango in 1963. So, it was just kind of funny for me to realize that that story that I'd always thought was kind of similar to that weird movie that Jason loaned me is actually what they based the wow. the movie on. So, I think that someone could maybe even go back to that story and kind of readapt it. With a little bit more faithfulness to the story, but maybe maybe taking some of the devices that were created for the Matango film in 1963, mm. and I just think it would be, you know, I really want to see someone take one of these plants or scary movies and really knock it out of the park. Uh, after the happening, someone really needs to to redeem that idea because I do think like the 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 spectrum of weirdness when you look at plants and you look at how how kind of if you look at them as like creatures mm-hmm. or products of evolution there's something kind of scary about yeah, them you know definitely. the way they work it's so surefire the way they work um so i think you could really take that idea and make it make it crazy that these people are sort of mutating to become one with this island yeah. and picking each other off that's so. really cool so matango i don't know if you would call it matango i don't know if the word matango translates to like mushroom people <laughs> right, or something right. like that but i think you could go back to the original story and call it the voice in the night mm. and uh and just uh just go hog wild with it. Get some good actors. Cool. I like that. So, yes. Um, it's my turn. Mine is about a uh, an original. It's, so, I, I, I like odd Disney movies. And one of my favorites is The Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> I think it would be really cool because it's a blatant ripoff. Because Toy Story is such a ripoff of this story. If it were in the same world. Yeah. What if... What if Andy got older and he's living in a dorm or as an adult, he gets his first apartment and he has these, this vacuum, this toaster, this air conditioner. And, you know, adjusting like a crossover. Yeah. There's like hand-me-downs that he's had for a while and he, he wants to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And it kind of is the same idea as Toy Story, but it introduces new characters, more adult characters, actually, Mm -hmm. because this is more about adult things. Um, and kind of goes through the adventure of uh, kind of what happened in the Brave Little Toaster, where they go to this junkyard and they're going to get smashed by this big. <laughs> it, it, I think it'd be really cool because it, it it connects the audience that loved Toy Story and introduces them to these new characters, you know, Toaster and the yeah. vacuum. So you mean like take and the, the characters from the. Brave Little Toaster and just do them up. Would it, would it be done in yeah. traditional animation? So would we're talking like crossover into Toy Story world? Kind of crossover into the Toy Story world. So Toy like, Story 5 so, so, would be just Little Toaster. It wouldn't Toy be Story. Toy Story because okay. there's no toys involved. It would be Andy. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Toy Story 5 colon 
the brave little toaster. No, it would be, be like be the same way. Story. You know story. how you know there's always that theory that things yeah, are in the same it's world. All connected, yeah. If they had something that was really in the same world and mm. connected it through these characters that are blatantly the brave, the brave little toy story bought on a toaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Housewarming gift. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, like brave it. little toaster. <laughs> they call it brave little, but that would be the cool thing that connected them. And only Andy, yeah. <laughs> only Andy, and maybe some hints of at like the Toy Story world, but really at the heart of it, just Andy connecting him to these appliances. Since it's a Pixar film. Uh, maybe in the halfway in, we could find out that that little girl who he gave all his toys to died in a fire and all the toys were burned out. <laughs> you have to have that. You have to have that. That would be really cool, man. I, I just think that The Brave Little Toaster is such a fucking good movie that a lot of people don't know about. And I don't think it was originally a Disney movie. I don't think it was either. I think Disney it was distributed. Yeah, yeah, it wound up distributing it um, at, at a later date, like a couple years after it mm-hmm. came out. But um, yeah, the brave little toaster. If they made that a Pixar movie and connected it, mm-hmm. I think that'd be so cool. I think it kind of blow people's minds because it would be a weird. I mean, because like you look it up, like oh, the brave little toaster, and it, you know, it'd be one of those older movies. And they've never done remakes before. They've never remade something, right? Am who, I going crazy? Pixar? Pixar? Yeah. No, they haven't. They yeah. Haven't. Well, they. <clears throat> Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did technically remake the shit out of a movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, so my next pick is also another movie from the mid-90s. Uh, this is a movie that actually was directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, oh. It's called The Quick and the Dead. Ah. Um, it's a really great example, again. In like, I never knew that was a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, like these genre-type films in the 90s and what kind of cast they were able right, to get. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a movie that has like Sharon Stone, mm. a young Leonardo DiCaprio, Russell Crowe, Gene uh, Hackman, Gene Hackman um, Lance, Lance Hendrickson, Hendrickson yeah. uh, Keith David, uh, fucking a lot of people in it. Yeah. But anyway, like just the idea of what the movie's about. My only criticism, this was the one that I feel like I would want to tweak a little bit, because mm-hmm. I feel like, and it kind of feel like this way a lot about Sam Raimi in general, and it's not a criticism of him. It's like a lot of his movies, whether they're horror movies or other types of genre films, they always have like a, a lot of levity or humor to them. Yeah. You know, whether it's in actual dialogue or, or right. the actual acting or even just like the way the camera is moving. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's pretty much known for that. And, and, and I like that. Yeah. It makes um, it into like slapstick. Exactly. Almost. Like yeah. almost mm. like some of the characters almost become like a caricature of like this Western icon. Right, right, right. Like this icon character or whatever. But my only thing that I would like, like, I like the story of what The Quick and Dead's about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of this woman coming into this town for unknown reasons, right, um, you know, coincidentally at the start of this, you know, shootout tournament, single elimination, one man lives, mm-hmm. all to get to Gene Hackman's haired character. Um, and I, I think I'd like to be watching a movie, uh, a remake of it, where it's... Um, a lot more serious, like from start to finish. There's no, there's nothing really funny about the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and the director that I think about, um, I would love to see make it. There's actually two. Um, I lean more towards John Hillcote, who's kind of already dabbled like with Lawless. Right. He did The Road. He did The Proposition. Um, another one I was thinking about was George Miller, uh, because you know, obviously, because Mad right. Max, whatever. Um, but I, I would love to see um, my girl Jess, Jessica Chastain cast as the lady. I got Brendan Gleeson cast as Harad, which is the Gene Hackman character. Nice. I got Idris Elba cast as Court, which was Russell Crowe in the original film. And as the kid, 
um, who was played by Leonardo DiCaprio. I have Logan Lerman, who, <gasps> who I, I really like. But basically, the idea would just be that, um, you know, to kind of bring this movie uh, more a more violent and ruthless mm. kind of display of what this tournament is. You know, you don't know the motivations for this character even coming into this situation, and you you slowly figure it out. And there's a lot of other characters in the movie that like you really they do a, even in the Sam Raimi version, like you you do have interest in like Russell Crowe's character court plays like this guy who used to work for Gene Hackman's posse who like kind of, you know, kind of detached himself and is now a preacher who gets pulled back into this gunfight mm. after he's sworn off like violence and guns and all this stuff and forced to kind of fight for his life. So there's a lot of like themes going on with redemption and literally in a town called redemption. Yeah. Um, I would just love to see a more, I don't want to say a more violent cause it sounds bad. Like show me more violence. <laughs> But I would just like to see more of a straightforward, mm. this is like Western personalities, almost like a vibe of like the Bone Tomahawk, like how uh, brutal that was. Yeah. Like, but you know, it's guns. It's not like, you know, native, you know, or, or, or people like uh, scalping people or, or right. chopping body parts off. It's just like a tried and true Western mm. that, um, and, and go for that crazy awesome cast, you know, mm-hmm. like um, get all these people to play in this like sandbox together and. I just want to see like more of like a, a ruthless version of it. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. Uh, that was like a movie that like you know huge budget like didn't really make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Sharon Stone was like I think maybe a producer on it at the time where she yeah. was like kind of at the height of her fame. And she kind of handpicked Russell Crowe too. Yeah, exactly. Kind of discovered Picked him. Russell Crowe yeah. changed a lot about the movie like uh, as they were making it like that oh, she wow. didn't really like see fit. Which not necessarily that was bad. Mm-hmm. Some of the choices were probably good, but just um. There's like a lot of history with that film, like that mm-hmm. makes me feel like it didn't get made the way it could have gotten made. Right. Well, you know, Sam Raimi butted heads with Gene Hackman nonstop on yeah. that set too. Yeah. Like supposedly, Sam Raimi was looking at some storyboards because obviously Sam Raimi's movies they seem like they're heavily storyboarded, you know. <laughs> and Gene Hackman came over and said, "What are those little drawings?" And he was like, "Well, um, this these are just the shots, like so I can map out some of these sequences." And Gene Hackman said, "So." you've already decided what I'm going to do in these little drawings. And Gene and, and Sam Raimi was like, well, no, we just needed this to kind of know what the shots are, but it's good to know. It's, it helps us prepare for a day. Yeah. And Gene Hackman said, anything in those drawings I'm not going to do. And and he held himself to it. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he, he, he wouldn't talk about where the camera was or what the shot setup was or any of that stuff. He wanted to just act. Oh, you know? wow. Which is like annoying. And I mean, I feel like that's dumb. But at the same time, I'd love stories like that where I'm just like, because you know Sam Raimi was like, uh, he basically said that was like day one. That was right. like five minutes into day one of working with Gene Hackman. Oh he was like, oh boy, you know this is gonna be horrible. <laughs> but you sort of had to work against like he would if he knew that you were trying to whip the camera around and hold a shot centered, he would, you know, he would what? try to be off. He would try to be unpredictable and like he didn't want to be like working towards the camera. I guess is a certain thing. You know, oh, I, can, I can see that as a general philosophy of acting, but if you're in a movie like this where the point of it is yeah. a lot of like crazy sequences anyway. and staging and things yeah. Like, yeah, but anyway, that sounds like yeah, I would punch him in his stomach. <laughs> I would, I would take the camera on rails and I think Gene push Hackman, it towards his face. Somehow his stomach would have absorbed it, and then his fist would have turned giant, and he would have just <laughs> knocked you out, taking that energy and punched him in the face. I wouldn't fuck with Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Oh god. All right. Well, my second pick is um, 
the one I mentioned as kind of a deconstruction where it would be fun. I mean, the example I'll give of this type of movie, even though this is not my choice, was that in, in high school, a friend and I used to have this joke about doing Gilligan's Island as like a, a melodrama mm-hmm. where it's like they crash on an island and the, the skipper has this man child that he mistreats and orders around that works for him, you know, and, so, <laughs> and he's always messing things up for people. Like that sort of version where you look at a story and you sort of deconstruct it, you put it in the real world and you decide, well, how would you end up with the Skipper and Gilligan, if it weren't some kind of weird codependent relationship, you know. So I was trying to think of movies that are t- attached to a certain era for me, and I've always had this idea anyway about, like, I feel like in the seventies and early eighties there were a lot of movies about guys that were just brawlers, mm-hmm. guys that just like there's a lot of bar fights in yeah. movies, you know, where people get and 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 it's awesome to see the hero stand up and punch someone in the face and yeah. knock him out. So the movie I thought of that seemed to exemplify this was. Um, from 1978, make sure I've got the right year there. Yeah, 1978, um, Every Which Way But Loose, oh, uh, the yeah. Clint Eastwood film where he has the orangutan named Clyde. <laughs> He's like a trucker and like a guy who picks up money on the side as a bare knuckle brawler. Oh, you know? wow. And it's like the first scene in the movie just about is him getting in a fist fight with like this guy. Uh, it's a pretty ridiculous scene. Like, um, Clint Eastwood's character Philo Beto mm. reaches over the guy to get some peanuts out mm. of the bowl at the on at the bar, and the guy starts saying, "You taking those nuts back to your tree, squirrel?" And he's like calling him a squirrel, and Clint Eastwood's character just isn't taking that, and so he punches the guy out. <laughs> this squirrel's ripping off peanuts, ain't you, squirrel? <laughs> Gonna take him up to your tree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what I thought was, tell that story now, but instead of then getting into the guy's life and talk, you know, you see him and gets into a caper where he's going up against a motorcycle gang called the Black Widows and he gets in, he's like fighting for a certain title in this bare knuckle brawling thing. Start the movie the same way. This, this trucker slash brawler gets into a fist fight in a bar and knocks out this guy. Um, and instead of him just going home and, and having more adventures with his orangutan, mm. I think it would be good to see a movie where he spends the rest of the movie embroiled in like a physical assault lawsuit, a property damage lawsuit. <laughs> then the state starts coming after his orangutan because he doesn't have like he's not zoned in his neighborhood for exotic animals or something like that. Basically, just show the red tape that would swallow up this this guy if he existed in the real world. You know, this guy who goes around just punching people out whenever they cross the line with him. Um, and I was trying to think, like, who could direct a movie like that? And the name that came to me, uh, because of her work on, on Breaking Bad and um, other television shows, the director, Michelle McLaren. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever noticed her yeah. name. But she has always done well. And she was, like, key in establishing that style on Breaking Bad. I would love to see that noose-getting-tighter kind of style approach to the idea of this guy who would much rather be punching people out. But instead, he's embroiled in all these court proceedings. Now, that's not the story of Every Which Way But Loose. But I think it would be fun if the first 15 minutes was like an all-out, old-fashioned, get-everybody-involved bar yeah. brawl. And then the rest of the movie was just the ramifications of, of, of getting into that kind of a yeah. fight. And I was trying to think of who could play that character. I don't know who would, who would be the, you know, not who's the, not Clint Eastwood, but who would be able to do the sort of... You know the emotional side of that, but also the credible as I hate just to a say brawler. this, man. But <laughs> fucking Gosling, I like Gosling. No, Gosling's man. a good suggestion. I love Gosling. No, that Gosling's a good suggestion sort of because I think he would play the the humor of like being kind of a scumbag yeah. too pretty well. That's good. That's a good choice. That's I was actually range, thinking, man. um, uh, uh, if you know, if it, pre pre McConaughey, I think Matthew McConaughey would have been oh, good wow. in this role. Yeah. And I started wondering if maybe now that we're in the Keanu era, would Keanu be good oh, at wow. this role? 
I think anyone who is known as like a, an action guy would be fun to see in a role where they, they basically get emasculated by the system into mm. like you can't punch you can't just punch people out you know this is 2017 <laughs> you can't do it you can't go into a bar and punch people out so it'd be a bait and switch for fans of would the original would he still have an orangutan I think so, but I think the state would take it away about halfway right. into the movie. Maybe, maybe that would become the emotional crux of the movie: is is he going to get his orangutan back? Right. You know, and there'll be some like tearful scenes between Keanu and the orangutan. I think that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I watched the show. Of it. Here's a funny thing: I did a little bit of digging into the original movie just to see if anybody involved made anything really interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, I found that the guy who wrote uh, "Every Which Way But Loose," Jeremy Joe Kronzberg, also wrote. He he only did a couple of other movies. Um, one of which is he's got like a a story by credit on the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose, which makes mm. me think he just got credit for inventing the, the characters. Yeah. Mm. Um, so his other movie, which he wrote and directed, is one called Going Ape, which stars <laughs> Tony Danza, Danny DeVito, and three orangutans. Wow. <laughs> Damn. That's so weird. So that tells you. A little something about uh, uh, Jeremy Joe Kronzberg that maybe he had a he either had like some obsession with orangutans or he had a line on some orangutans and he knew that. It's like, like we got to yep, get these guys in a movie. Do it. But uh, so yes, uh, every which way but loose. And also, I feel like if you maybe you guys are a little young for this aspect of it, but it was it was a total cable staple when I was a kid. I mean, mm. it was one of those turn on HBO at any given hour wow. and they're going to be playing every which way but loose. Um, so yeah. is that when the HBO had? Yeah, like, huh? where it swooshes in. I love yes, that. It's very good music, and it had like the model of the city. Yeah, that it goes over, and then it goes into the letters. Yeah, it's so like good. a model, and then you're into like I don't know if that was early computer animation or just really detailed that like good, cell man. animation, but yeah. yeah, always made you very excited for whatever shit movie was coming. Yeah, on. definitely. So yes, from 1978, every which way but loose. Oh, so I, this is my last pick, huh? Okay, so um, another movie that I think falls under the kid sort of deal, um, it was um, <laughs> it was a German movie uh, directed and written by Wolfgang Peterson. Mm. Um, the Neverending Story. The Neverending Story. So I was trying to think of who could capture the beauty and emotion of this movie. And I came up with a name, man. Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that Spike Jones could. I some... think he did that with uh, Where the Wild Things. Yeah, Where the Wild yeah. Things are. I think. What, what do you What do you guys think of Where the Wild Things are? I like it a lot. I it, do too. Yeah, it's, it's underrated. It is. It is so good, man. It. I mean, it was, I, that's the reason I asked. I don't know what about I felt the... so moved by it, and I've talked yeah. to so many people that were like, "Oh, I couldn't watch it. It was so this or that, it, boring or well, whatever the book was, depressing or yeah, whatever it, whatever he dissected from the book and made it into, it wasn't the same. No, it wasn't. But what it did was so good. He could bring that emotion to the Never Ending Story. I think the Never Ending Story felt very like. I always wondered why it didn't. No movie I saw in my childhood compared to that movie and I think it kind of deals with the whole like this this German this foreign idea about whatever this this world was and, mm-hmm. and the it just looked beautiful it was fun it was sad it was really sad it was scary of, it was scary yes what, what, nothing, what, what as a kid was scarier than the nothing the nothing was fucking terrifying and and, and I still watch and a practical it. Yeah, yeah. You know, effects. and I've watched it 
since and it still has the same effect absolutely the nothing is such a big thing and when it and it's not like when it starts destroying the world it's like just leaving things behind everything dies Mm -hmm. yeah and there's something about the permanence of that that really scared me when as a kid and like yoda's in the movie or something like that (laughs) if you look at the characters in the background interesting it's like a bunch of star wars characters oh like look at if you look it up, there's like a picture of the scene, and they put like Disney. There's like Mickey Mouse, and oh, I have read this. Before. Yeah, there's like You're a right. bunch of characters. Oh, okay. Yeah, that are kind of like versions of the characters. They're literally some of the characters, and I think because it was like overseas, <laughs> there was like not a copyright. There was like something about the, and because they're like shadows mm-hmm. or something like that, it they legally got away with it. But so um, you know, a lot of people are gonna hear that and say. That's like E.T. or that's like remaking Star Wars to them. The right. Story. Yeah, yeah, so what yeah. would be the what what to you would be? And I'm not I'm not right. saying I well, but, but I'm saying playing devil's advocate. What is the reason to remake that movie? It's not one that. Yeah, I, mean, I can I, I can kind of see where you're coming from. But what would be the, the what would you add to it with? Would it be effects? Would it just be no, a modern no, I, sensibility? I think that it would have to it would have to. I think practical effects is what would make it special. And I mm-hmm. think there's something that Spike. Spike Jones does with mm-hmm. practical effects and mixing them with some CGI that makes it very special. But I think that the biggest thing too is like um there's something about the take on some of this stuff about childhood and and going to this world and exploring within it and how it affects the real world mm-hmm. that feels very uh timely, but I feel like the Neverending Story is a really odd, very broad idea for mm-hmm. a kid. Yeah. And I think that Spike Jones could simplify that idea in a way that just feels more palatable to kids now. Yeah. And and make it look cool as shit too. So I don't know. And and in terms of casting, I would love a bunch of unknowns. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that it has to be like that anymore. I don't think it has to be like Oh, you know that kid from something. Yeah, or find like a dragon dog that we haven't seen before yeah, and, and get him to play. <laughs> yeah, just What's cast his name? Him. Falcor. Falcor. Yeah. I was going to say Falco, but that's the guy that did <laughs> Rock Me Amadeus. That e- guy. Get Fal- What's Falco doing? Get Falco. Get, get, Falco get, get Edie Falco, Falco too. Yeah. Get Edie Falco <laughs> and Falco to play Falco. Falcor. But yeah, I, I love that movie, but I think that seeing what Spike Jones does. You probably need two people in the suit anyway. Yeah. So Edie Falco could be like what the front. She's Absolutely. got a good. She's got a memorable voice. Well, so does Falco. Yeah. We might have a battle here. Oh man, his voice would be. So... <laughs> I love the... the dragon dogs in town. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, never any story. That's my last pick. Steve, my last pick is uh, this is the one that I feel like never got a chance going in. Yeah, yeah, that one, <laughs> the other one. Uh, this is uh, a movie from what year did it come out? Let me look real quick. Eighty six. Mm. So this is uh, like a it, it kind of has a cult following, but this is directed by uh, a genre guy named Mike Marvin, mm. who did Hamburger the movie, mm-hmm. which is all you need to know. <laughs> um, but this is a movie that actually started really young. Charlie Sheen. Uh, Sherilyn Flynn and it, I think Nick Cassavetes is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wraith. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember this. watching this as a kid and just thinking it was like the coolest thing. Um, it's basically about this character who uh, basically comes back from the dead as like uh, oh, wow. uh, 
a car racing wraith, like a, a of a, a spirit demon, whatever. Wow. Um, basically, like the especially Ghost Rider. Yeah. But not Ghost Rider. But but yeah. in like a just a town, yeah. you know, yeah. these kids and, um. Yeah, basically, like something happens. You you get backstory through the movie about what happened, and like people, like the the ex girlfriend and the brother of the character played by Charlie Sheen, starts sort of like piecing together. Like there's a lot of like familiarity but basically this gang that was responsible for this teen's death mm. this wraith comes back and through these street racing because they're like a street racing gang like these muscle cars um this guy beat one of the leaders he beat the leader in a race and like out of jealousy anger like they murdered him mm. and years later this wraith comes back wow. and starts racing these guys and one by one like kills them like through the race Holy like the shit. race itself is basically like the wraith, the the race itself is like a death race, like you know, where each of these like members of the gang are dying one by one, ultimately getting to like the the, the leader guy, the Nick Cassavetti's character, and um, you know, you you come to find out that it was like this teen that was murdered, and he's come to like get revenge, and wow, you know, and he and he gets the girl again, and they go off together, and it, it's kind of weird. Some of the stuff's weird, but there's a lot of really cool like Clint Howard's in it as like this mm. crazy like gearhead that like fixes all the cars up. Um, you can modernize it. You can make it maybe not the same kind of race cars. Maybe mm. they're hybrids. Maybe they're solar power. I don't know what the fuck it is. But I was thinking about who to have do this because there is like a little bit of a, like a, obviously a sci-fi horror element yeah. to it. Um, th- this version of the film doesn't get too much into like into the sci-fi horror nature of it. It's really just like, have you seen it? Yeah. Like into the, just the, the revenge. These guys are just getting picked off one by one. And, like, this girl is rekindling this romance with this person that may be the guy that mm. she lost years ago. Because they don't look the same. They look very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're not sure if it's him. Um, but I would love to see this movie maybe reimagined in a different town. This takes place, I think, in Arizona. Mm. Um, but I was thinking, like, I was thinking about the horror movies that I liked recently that felt small but felt, like, really well characterized and, and still kind of creepy. Um, but also a director who made a movie prior to the horror film that was more of like a coming-of-age drama of a bunch of like teen college people. Um, and that is uh, the dude that directed It Follows, oh. uh, David Robert Mitchell. And the cool thing about it is like the more I thought about the movie, um, it's the myth of the American sleepover mm-hmm. that he made before It Follows. Um, both take place in Detroit. So I'd like to see him make the Wraith happen in Detroit. Oh, wow. Because I just feel like movies like, uh, you know, like um, Don't Breathe, you know, that, that are using Detroit, it follows. Um, unfortunately, there's like a natural horror vibe mm-hmm. to yeah. a lot of these filming locations that they shoot uh, in Detroit now. And that's why like a lot of horror movies have been shooting there. Um, there's a lot of like economic stimulus packages to get movies to shoot there, obviously. But Interesting. I just think it'd be really cool to see this movie, um, whether it's still street racing or some other kind of thing that could trigger a competition between, you know, men who are like, you know, their pride and their egos are at stake during these competitions. And at some point it costs this kid his life and he's kind of come back to um, to get the girl and also get revenge on these people that took his life. And I think it'd be pretty cool. I, I think you almost could keep it in the street racing because it, it becomes like a spin on... Fast and the Furious, like, which, which I was has thinking a niche the same right thing. now. It's like, yeah. take that it could and work. spin it into a revenge horror kind of angle. Right, Right, and I mean, the reality of, like, you know, driving around these, like, eerie parts of Detroit that are basically abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like, parts of the city of Detroit that are abandoned. 
like these people just running wild, these kids running wild doing these street racing where like people are dying, mm. you know, um, and no one bats an eye at it maybe. But yeah. Sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah. You should check it out. It's, 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 it's total cult film, but mm. it, it's, it's cool, man. And like I said, it's like, it's Charlie Sheen on the verge of blowing up. Wow. You know? Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And Sherilyn Finn, who's always a joy to watch. Mm. I don't know. Definitely check it out. Well, my final yeah. pick, uh, what year did The Wraith come out? I think 86. 86. 85 or 86. 86. Yeah. I I remember that. That was another one that I felt like that was on cable. All the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I, when you mentioned it for years earlier, I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, this, that's what this was for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, the, my last pick is one that um, I remember before when I said there's kind of a difference between like a movie you'd want to see remade or a mm-hmm. movie that you'd want to almost just unmake the one that they made and like see the see the movie that it could have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is one that I really because I think that one of the bits of casting I would want to I would want to hold on to. I would want I would want to keep Daniel Day Lewis as Bill the Butcher. Mm. But I'd want Gangs of New York to be a totally different movie. Around you didn't that. like Gangs of New York? I think Gangs of New York is one of the biggest cinematic missed opportunities in really? recent memory. I think if you Get if you read the, the history, hell. you'll wonder oh. why they came up with a fictional mm. romance to stick in the heart oh, of this thing. You'll gotcha. wonder why they focus on the made up young, good looking characters mm. instead of the the gangs, the like Liam Neeson and his gang and, mm. and and Daniel Day-Lewis and his gang and that heightened world of guys wearing like crazy costume. I mean, it could have been like Mad Max set in the past. You know what I mean? Wow. Instead of what I think is a very, almost like Titanic-esque <laughs> attempt, not right. just because of Leo, but anytime you stick like fake young characters as like the ingenues in the middle of a story to, because that's what people apparently need, you know, yeah. to get them into a story it always seems to me like the Titanic move because I always thought that as, as much as Titanic might have to offer, you know, the, the big story in the movie is the fictional characters when the real human drama going on around them could have made for an interesting movie. And I read a book called low life by this guy, Luke Sante that was written in 1991. And it was, he was a a consultant on gangs of New York, Mm -hmm. the author of that book. And that book was such a fantastic tour through this world of like the, you know, basically the mid 1800s through oh. the early 1900s. And it was just so much crazy historical detail with these gangs and the people that were wearing like knives on their fingers and people that were, you know, like the gang called, I think in the movie, like the dead rabbits and they all wear like a dead rabbit tied around their neck. But all these crazy gangs that sounds like something out of the Warriors mm. or or Mad Max or something like that, where it's just... It's just crazy and stylized and nuts. And then the movie comes out, and I was so jazzed about it. And then the movie is trying to do a much more conventional uh, story against right. that backdrop. But I think you could have just you could have had more scenes with Bill the Butcher, more crazy gangs going up against each other, and not like again. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it didn't need to be a three hour historical epic. Maybe it could have been a, like a brisk, a fast. 90 100 minute movie of just yeah. sheer unmitigated violence you know something mm-hmm. like the raid but set in that backdrop wow. or even you could do the nerdy historical version that i would love to see done but i don't know how many people would watch a three-hour movie that doesn't have like a recognizable young protagonist in it that only has like characters that you think are kind of gross you know like mm-hmm. violent awful people mm. but it's just so fascinating i would recommend anyone who's interested in the, the history of america um particularly of that 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 late 1800s into yeah. the 1900s era, uh, the book Low Life is just 
so interesting, so fascinating, and it takes you through all the corruption, all the police corruption, all the all the you know it's city hall, all the kind of all the jostling about that made Manhattan what it is today. And I think the movie tries to tackle that stuff, but oddly enough, for Scorsese with that material, I think he really did get bogged down in both the the sort of fictional young characters he created, uh, or that the screenwriter created, and in giving it this historical sweep and relevance when I think maybe what it wanted to be was a, just a down and dirty movie that in my opinion should be as watchable as rewatchable as something like Goodfellas you know something mm. that's so well done and so fast paced that you could just about watch it at any right, time right. I feel like Gangs of New York could and should have been that movie and instead it's it's not that movie so, mm. so yes I would like to see Gangs of New York unmade maybe remade even by Scorsese but just with a script that is more unconventional and deals more with just the wide spectrum of crazy characters and doesn't try to narrow it down to these these two sort of yeah. characters you're supposed to care about. So, so yes. Cool. But keep there's Daniel so much. There's so much opportunity here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> man. For all those Hollywood people. We have listening. $50 billion worth in yeah. movie sales right here. We, we need to be hired. <laughs> <laughs> we need to... Anybody want have any kind of also rounds you wanted to just throw out there? Any ones that you would? I kind of really drilled down into those yeah. three. Like yeah, I kind of just was too. like thinking about. I tried to think like the late eighties, mid nineties, like was my range because that was like such an important like piece for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. with different kinds of movies. I think Money Pit would be funny if somebody remade. I think they're that. remaking that. Oh, get, oh no no get overboard, out of here. overboard oh. overboard the remaking. I feel like Money Pit with. I'd probably do. Seth Rogen or something like that, but I really like Colin Hanks. <laughs> that would be good. Well, I'll just rattle off a few because a few of these I just wanted to mention. I would like to see The Hobbit made as one movie. Mm. John, that's like a three-hour movie I or two it. and a half-hour movie. Oh, Have you, you do? seen that? Oh, fan no, cut? I haven't seen the fan cut. I've been in. I've been really seeking out fan cut stuff. Oh my god! I'll, yeah, like it's out there. I'll, I'll, oh, okay. I'll point yeah. you to it. No, I would like to see that. So yeah, that's our our remakes. Wow. Remake this. We make this now, everybody. Do it. We make them. Please. We demand it. I wonder, you know, should we lay odds? Maybe, like, is there, if one of us, the winner, if one of these ideas gets remade? <laughs> well, to be fair, I think I said, I think the craft at some point yeah. was being remade. I don't know if it oh. still is. So I, you can take that out of contention mm-hmm. in case it is still in the pipeline. Um, Cheater. Yeah. That's what I, do. <laughs> I hope that the never ending story gets remade. That, that, that's really? one that I would feel like the ET feeling. Like, I would be like, I'd be like, Really? Yeah. But but I'd still see it, yeah. you know, and I'd still probably come out and be like, I still like the one from the eighties more. Yeah. But maybe some kid will like this one more. So yeah, there we we'll go. see. We'll see if one ends up in the theater sometime yeah. in the next couple of years. Maybe one day we'll remake this episode. Yep. Who knows? <laughs> who who will we get to play us? Have we, have we ever done like a like a favorite remake? No, I was just about to say. No. It seems odd that we got to this before we got to that. We should like, do a part two, like best remakes. We should do that. I totally. would love that. That'd be a yeah. fun conversation. Even though we kind of touched on it earlier, it would be fun to dig deep yeah. and see like what are some. I definitely have ones that come immediately to mind that yeah. I would love to discuss. Yeah, uh, I'll just have crickets on my. <laughs> just get to my voice. Well, another idea that I had that was related to this that we've kind of talked about. Uh, it was on the list next to remake this now was adapt this now. I, I still think oh. talking about like books or magazine stories be, or true stories or whatever that we think would make that'd great That would be movies, so cool. That would be a fun one. Yeah. So. But you know what our next episode is going to be? Well, our next episode is probably going to be a catch-up episode because there's been a lot of new movies. Yeah. But you know what our one after that's probably going to be? What's that, John? The 5th Annual Schmovie Awards. Oh, I can't wait. Damn. What? We're two episodes away that from that. That is nuts. <clears throat> 
Whose who's year was 2016? I know. Oh, I have so many options. I had a couple of thoughts. There's actually a few good thoughts. There are. Yeah. Absolutely. Get your Riz Ahmed. He's, he had a pretty Jesus, good year. Man, he had a, he had yeah. a great year. God, he's... I was just talking to somebody about someone today. That was, I was No, I like, had somebody else in mind, too. I didn't realize was in so much this year. It might be the same person I was thinking oh, of. Oh, shit. Because the person I was thinking of was like someone that we have talked about a lot. No, I'm blanking right now. But that'll happen, though, yeah. soon. I'm thinking Mahershala Ali. No, that's a good example. That's a good year. Yeah, because he had, he had Luke Cage and uh and Two Best Moonlight. Picture nominees yeah. and yeah. Hidden well, Figures. Yeah. It wasn't Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> what if Johnny Depp just comes back this year? Nope. Like, what if... Pirates is just an incredible movie. Nah, and it, it just... it, if anything, it's going to be with something different. It can't be with Pirates. I'm not saying it, it would be cool if Pirates was good. Yeah. But, like, it's got to be, like, the, 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 is he in the, is it the Notorious B.I.G. or the Tupac? Uh, is that really coming out this year? I don't know if it's this year, but he's really in that. That's really cool. Where he's, like, the detective investigating it. Isn't it, like, Sylvester Stallone produced or something know. like that? I'm something sure. weird to that movie. I'm blanking completely right now. I literally was talking to somebody at work about this. Is it is it TV shows? I is think it... they were in TV and movies this year, and I was oh. like, damn, they like killed it. Oof. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah. So, those are all of our choices for remakes. Um, I hope at least one of us succeeds in becoming a huge Hollywood producer once they mm-hmm. come back to mm-hmm. us as the mm-hmm. source of this pitch. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you morally have to do in Hollywood. You can find uh, other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Podbean, or MovieShmovie.com. Um, what? Podbean sounded funny? No, or? Podbean sounded funny. And for some reason, I was like, thinking about Podbean. I don't know. Like, cool, 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 yeah, cool. Sorry. just makes you giggle now. Yeah, I don't know why. It, made <laughs> it me is giggle. pretty funny when you say it out loud. I don't know why it made me laugh. It, it is silly. It's like Podbean. Uh, but if you can uh, leave some reviews for us wherever you you know listen to us, if it's iTunes or if it's Google, any any kind of feedback is good. And uh, you know we still have our movieshmovie at gmail dot com. You know usually we have pretty good ways of coming out with episode ideas and content yeah. to discuss. But if you have any ideas for episodes uh, you want us to talk about or, or films to talk about or franchises or, or anything like that, we we love the feedback. Any ideas, send them our way. Again, that's movieshmovie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.